to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. We're so glad to be together, and we're going to hear from my favorite preacher in the world in just a second. But I just want to mention a couple of things. As we are in November, if you want to get your calendar out, you can do this just so you remember. Next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday, we have a water baptism extravaganza. Extravaganza. I was going to say celebration, but it just went to another level. Extravaganza, and that is at Matt and Sarah Hammer's house at 4 p.m., Uh, next Sunday. And so I encourage you, uh, if you've never been water baptized, it is an essential uh, step, a sign, uh, uh, really a start of uh, life as a follower of Jesus. So if if you've never taken that step, we would love to help you do that. And uh, you can sign up to be baptized or just get the details on the event happening next Sunday if you go to our events page at ocparkdistrict.com slash events, and that'll be next Sunday. And then the week after that uh, is our annual, I don't know how many time, how many years we've been doing this, but it is our annual Friendsgiving. And uh, thank you, Joel. Joel is excited about Friendsgiving. And so we're actually going to be back here for Friendsgiving. So that's our Friendsgiving brunch. Uh, again, there's information about it on our website, but that'll be 10 a.m. right here, and that's on November 14th, okay? And I uh, hope you'll plan to join us for that. And then last but not least, we're looking a little ways down uh, the line, but I want to make sure that it gets on your radar before your Christmas travel plans and all the other Christmas parties uh, that I know you'll be having. And that is something, an, an event that we are calling our Vision Builder Celebration. And uh, we've seen God do incredible things over the last 12 months. And so as we finish up this year, we really want to gather together to celebrate specifically uh, the incredible miracle uh, that is still unfolding for us, and that is the miracle of uh, the open house and the building and the place that God is going to give to us and has given to us. And so I would love for all of you to really make it a top priority of the Christmas season uh, on December 13th. December 13th, that's a Monday night at 7 o'clock, and we're going to be at the Winter Park Farmer's Market right up the road. And we're doing something a little different. We're always a casual church, but we're going to just kind of turn it up a little bit. We're going to get a little fancy uh, for that. Who likes to get a little fancy? Some, some of you like to, you, you, you look for an opportunity. This is your opportunity, okay? And so we're going to get together uh, December 13th. Uh, also, it'd be a great moment. If you have friends or family that aren't a part of this church, but maybe would just like to hear what God has done and hear how they can be a part of it, this is a great thing for you to, to bring somebody with you to that, okay? And so we're going to be this week having a sign-up link that we'll send out to you that you can RSVP for that. But I'd love for all of you to go ahead and put that on your calendar and uh, sign up. Get a babysitter early. If you got kids, go ahead and book your babysitter because uh, that's, that's where the, the challenge is. Amen? All right. Well, like I said this morning, we've got our, my favorite preacher in the world. I'm, I may be biased, but he is my favorite preacher in the world. And um, last Sunday was Pastor's Appreciation, or last month was Pastor's Appreciation um, month. And um, it's now November, so that's gone. But if, if you were here last month, Dad, I would have said uh, how incredibly grateful I am 
uh, to be able to serve uh, with my dad and to be blessed uh, from just his support. And, you know, one church as a whole, he's not just my dad and my pastor, he's really the, uh, the, the, the dad of the church families as a whole. And so we're so blessed this morning. He's traveling all over. A couple weeks ago, he was up in Virginia, Connecticut, uh, but we're honored to have him today. And so could we get our Bibles out, get our notebooks out, open your heart, and uh, let's get ready to hear from the Lord as my dad comes to bring the word. Always love being at Park District. What a great church. You know, one of the things I love about this church is just how real, there's, this, there's no pretense. It's just real. I, Matt, thank you for the way you opened today sharing. I, I just love that, that you shared about the foxes and uh, guarding our hearts. Michelle, thank you. Thank you for your encouragement to pray. Thank you for the example that you and John are in your marriage and in your life. Thank you for that. Y'all are just a, a gift to this house. And uh, so many of you that just week after week faithfully labor, whether you're serving in house church, whether you're serving here, whatever role you're in, how God is using you. And every, so every time I come, I, I get this real tremendous sense of God's presence. Nick and Diana, thank you all. Congratulations. Congratulations. And, and what an amazing testimony. Nick, when you were sharing about what God has done in your life and how he delivered you and how he has led you and now brought a beautiful wife to you. And uh, it's just so much that we've all got to be grateful for. Why don't we just give Jesus thanks? Can we do that? Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace in our lives. Thank you for what you do, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to continue on with the series that y'all have been in, as y'all are defining the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom. How many of you know that when you get saved, you are called into the kingdom of God? Okay, whether you recognize it or not, you're called in to the kingdom of God. And that kingdom has a culture. It has a king, and that king determines the culture of his kingdom. And we are called into that. And so, as you have for the past few weeks been dealing with various aspects of the culture of the kingdom, I want to continue that today and deal with this, that the kingdom of God is a culture of peace in a world of anxiety, a culture of peace in a world of anxiety. How many of you know we've got a little anxiety in the world today? I, I, I don't know about you. I, I was a news junkie. I used to love to watch the news. But then I started finding myself, the more I would watch the news, the more anxious I was becoming. And you know what I'm talking about. You, you, you turn on the news, and when you finish, you feel like, my goodness, what's going on in me? How come I feel so tight? And because it's just like a spirit of anxiety that's just being vomited out through all kinds of, uh, of forms of media, certainly through television, through social media. My goodness, you read various uh, aspects of social media, and you come away, you feel like, my, I need a Xanax or something. You just... <laughs> 
just tight and, and anxious and, and all wrapped up in knots. How many of you know that is not God's purpose for our life? That is not God's purpose for our life. Now, I, I want to make this point right from the get-go because I realize, um, in fact, 40 million Americans right now suffer from some form of crippling anxiety. 40 million. That's one, roughly one in five uh, Americans are suffering some form of crippling anxiety. And, and, and so if you're one today that's dealing with this, I want you to know right from the get-go of this that, we, first of all, we live in a broken world, okay? And all of us experience in our lives different aspects of brokenness. Um, and so some of us may deal with some pretty severe forms of anxiety today. And, and, and I, I want to say right from the beginning that God wants to break that off of you and bring you into a place of freedom and liberty in Christ. And I'm going to talk about how to defeat anxiety today. But I also want to, to say that if you, if you are trying to manage that, you're trying to deal with it in your own self, you'll never find the answer within. Okay? It's really weird how the world looks at life. Because the world looks at life and says, the problems are out there and the answer's in here. Okay? But here's what the Lord says. No, the problems are in us and the answer's out there. Okay? He's the answer that deals with our problems, with our issues. And so we've got to learn how to really lean into the Lord and uh, as, as we deal with this subject of anxiety. Now, there, there are some aspects to, to, to this whole thing. First of all, anxiety is, let me just define it before I get, even get into the word and my message today. But, but when we talk about anxiety, we're talking about a general dread. That's what we're talking about. Fear and worry is more specific, okay? Usually fear and worry deals with a particular subject or a particular issue, whereas anxiety is this general dread. Now, fear and worry, if we're not careful, can become the gateway to anxiety. If you don't bring thoughts of fear and worry under the subjection or the lordship of Christ, that's why Paul says to the Colossians, take every thought and make it captive and bring it into obedience under the word of God or the will of God. If you don't take those thoughts captive, here's what happens. The enemy knows this. If he's going to control your life, he will come in and if you give him one area, he will seize it and from there he will set up a stronghold with which he can control the whole of your life. That's what his, that's what his aim is. And if you give him one little square inch of your life, Usually, he'll take it right in the middle of your life so that he has to tromp all the way across all of your life in order to get to his middle. And he's messed up all of your life. And God wants to bring us into a place of freedom. So we have to learn how to conquer fears. I think it goes to what Matt was saying earlier, the little foxes spoil the vine. A little fear thought, a little worry, allowing a little bit of that in our life can end up spoiling the whole of our life. And so we want to... Deal with that. 
today. And I, I, I'm going to invite you to look in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Pretty clear, isn't it? Do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles... And he's making the comparison between a believer and an unbeliever. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Wow. Father, thank you for your word. Now I pray that you will enable me by the Holy Spirit to be your mouthpiece. Let the written word become the living word. Let it live in our hearts. May the written word speak life. To every one of us today by the power of the Holy Spirit and we thank you now for it in Jesus name amen amen so as we we get into this whole subject of anxiety and worry I know it, it's one of those subjects that really it's almost like we we look at we recognize and all of us deal with it at some level okay I, I want to just Put that on the table from the beginning. All of us deal with it at some level. How many of you have got a fear of spiders? You just, I mean, you see a spider. Now, if I had to say any fear that I've dealt with in my, my whole life, I, I am just not a fan of spiders. I'm just going to have to tell you, I'm just not a fan of spiders. But there's, there's this whole long list of fears and phobias that people have. Have you ever, you realize there's like a hundred, almost 120 different specific fears and phobias that people have. Um, how about this one, chataphobia. 
It's the fear of hair. <laughs> the fear of hair. Uh, here's another one. Vestophobia. Glad none of you deal with that. It's the fear of clothing. <laughs> Usually it's easily, easy to recognize people who are dealing with the fear <laughs> with vestophobia. Ergophobia. I've known a few people with this. The fear of work. <laughs> Decidophobia. That's pretty easy to find out what that is. It's the fear of making decisions. Istrophobia. The fear of mirrors. The older I get, the more uh, I have to deal with that one. I looked in the mirror the other day and said, who's that old man looking back at me? Uh, Diphnophobia. Fear of eating with others. Or here's one. Phobophobia. The fear of phobias. <laughs> I mean, we, we, when you begin to look at all of the fear, it's almost like you know, it's easy to become light hearted about it, but yet it's a very serious issue. Uh, Lily Tomlin, in one of her monologues a number of years ago, was going through a long list of things that she worries about. And it, it was like, like worry after worry after worry after worry. I mean, things like, I worry if olive oil comes from olives and uh, peanut oil comes from peanuts, where does baby oil come from? <laughs> You know, but, but, but just this, this is kind of wacky, weird, but yet they're real, aren't they not? I mean, these are issues that people deal with. And I, I remember a, a lady in a church that I was a part of in Ormond Beach. And she had literally lived with a paralyzing fear. She could not leave her house for years she could not leave her house. Even to go to her mailbox. She couldn't even go to her mailbox. I mean, so when you think about those kinds of issues that people deal with, you realize that these matters, as weird as they may sound, as extreme as they may sound, they are real. As imagined as they may be, they're real to the person who's dealing with them. And yet God wants to bring us into a place of freedom. And, and, and Jesus is saying here, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. In other words, anxiety, all of us will have to confront it at some level. All of us. Or Jesus would not speak so clearly about it. All of us are having to confront it, and we're probably having to confront it now more than at any point in our life. People are worried about their health. They're living in fear and panic. I mean, even Sandy and I just having been up north and, you know, some of the states with mask mandates, and I, I'm not, this is not a message on whether you're for mask or against mask or for vaccines or against vaccines. Can I be honest with you? I don't think that those things are the issue. I think where you put your trust and your confidence is the issue. You know, he, if you're a Jesus follower, he is our healer. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't get the vaccine or that you do get the vaccine. That means that you obey whatever he tells you to do. All right? Okay? And, and, and so we're Jesus followers. 
But, but one of the things we realized is just how unnatural some of these fears and some of these, these uh, ways, these anxiety moments can be in people's life. And yet the fact is this, and this is what the Scripture teaches, that underlying all of these is the fear of death. You know, you know, most people are not afraid of COVID. They're just afraid of what COVID will do to them. It'll kill them. They're not, they're not afraid that, that various things, problems in life will just show up at their door. They're afraid of what happens when they show up at their door. Because the fear of death runs right through so many people's lives. That's why the gospel is so important. Woody Allen, who was a actor, who is an actor and producer, writer, is probably the, the poster child for uh, uh, the fear of death. Uh, every time death is mentioned around him, it, it makes him profoundly, profoundly nervous. Uh, he, he says this when people talk about achieving immortality. He said, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I just simply want to achieve immortality by not dying. He goes on to say, he said, I don't want to live on in the hearts of my countrymen. I want to live on in my apartment. And, and that, that kind of summarizes really what a lot of people look at life. Because when it comes to death, it's like a subject that they don't want to face. Because there's this deep fear and anxiety in their heart over it. And it affects their life. It affects the way they live their life. You can be so afraid of dying at some point in the future that you don't live life to its fullest now. That you never live. The writer of Hebrews says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. He's speaking of Jesus. He himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And listen to this. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Wow. That's really what's going on in the world. One of the great distinctives between a believer, a true Jesus follower who has yielded their heart to the Lord, and someone who has not, is that Jesus has the power to remove the fear of death break it off of you, and when the fear of death has been broken off of you, all the other fears disappear. And so I want to deal with this subject today, and I want us to look at it. Now, first of all, I want to make a few observations, because all of us are dealing with anxiety at some level, and all of us have to have been called by Jesus to break it. He says, don't do it. Don't worry. Don't live with anxiety. Don't be anxious. That's a divine imperative. And Jesus never gives you the instruction to do something that he doesn't give you the power to do. Okay? So if Jesus says don't be anxious, it's not because he's trying to taunt you or fool you. It's trying, he's wanting to bring you into freedom. So how do we do it? The first thing I want you to see is this. Anxiety is the result of a divided heart. What's really happening 
when you get anxious is you're putting your trust in the wrong thing. It's the result of a divided heart. Now, I noticed the first word of that passage that I read to you. What does Jesus say? Therefore. Therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, the, therefore is a bridge, and it's a bridge between two thoughts, the one immediately preceding and the one following. Therefore. So you have to look back. What does he say? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Then he gets specific. You can't serve God and money. Okay? Now, this first statement is general. But it deals with the issue of trust. The reality is this, that if you are going, if you get anxious... In any area of your life, it's actually revealing where your trust is at. Is your trust in yourself? Is your trust in, hey, you can put your trust in vaccines. Can I tell you something? It's okay to be vaccinated. It's okay not to be vaccinated. But put your trust in the Lord. Okay? Have you hear what I'm saying? We get, we get sucked down the rabbit hole of all this nonsense that's going on out there. And all it is is an effort by the world to force us to put our trust in some place other than in the Lord. And whenever you do, anxiety is a natural result. Why? Because you're divided in your heart. You're divided in your heart. And so what Jesus is trying to direct our attention towards is this. Don't allow yourself to be divided. If you start seeing anxiety rising up in your heart, it's a sure sign that your confidence and your trust is not fully in the one who's promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you and that he will keep you to the very end. So the first thing I want you to see is that anxiety is a result of a divided heart. The second thing I want you to understand is this, that anxiety is not God's will for you. It's not the Lord's will for you. It's not something you just have to live with. Now, you may come from a long line of worriers. Now, my grandmother was a great woman. She was a godly woman, but she was like the queen of worry. I mean, my grandmother worried about everything. How many of you know somebody like that? Maybe some of you are like that. Worry about everything. My grandmother was so worried about everything that if she wasn't worried, she was worried why she wasn't worried. It was like a special ministry. That is not God's will for you. God does not want us living in that place of worry and anxiety. And Jesus makes that clear when he says, don't be anxious. Why would it be his will for you to be anxious if he's saying at the same time for you not to be anxious? Anxiety is not the Lord's will. I love this verse of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We're coming up to holiday season, and oftentimes we quote this verse. Uh, you see it on Christmas cards and all the rest. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, the rulership, will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called, and then he gives four names of the Messiah, Jesus. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what was the last one? 
Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. This was one of the four names that was given of the Messiah who was to come. All of them deal with aspects of God's rulership in your life and in my life. When Jesus comes into your heart, when Jesus comes in, He's your counselor. Aren't you glad for that? When you need guidance, He's the one who guides you. When you need to have something broken, He's the mighty God. You get His power. He's everlasting Father. When you're crushed in your spirit, when you feel like you have no other place to go, aren't you glad we have a heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us? But then he says he's the Prince of Peace. And that word peace there is not just any word. It is shalom. He's the Prince of Shalom. Oftentimes when we think about shalom, we think about it only in this context that it makes me feel better. The peace makes me feel better. But that's not the fullness of what shalom means. Because shalom is more than simply peace. You see, what God really wants to bring into your heart, because the prince of peace, the ruler of peace, comes to rule and reign in your heart and brings to you and to me peace that passes understanding. Hallelujah. Uh, Every time I've prayed a... a, uh, Prayer at the closing of a service, I speak out of Numbers chapter 6, uh, that the Lord would be with you, He'd keep you, He'd make His face shine upon you. The Lord would be merciful, He'd turn His face towards you, and what? Give you peace. That word is shalom. That word is shalom. And that word peace or shalom literally means complete peace. It is the feeling of contentment, completeness, wholeness. Well-being, harmony, it's the absence of agitation or discord. And when Jesus comes as our Messiah into our heart, He comes to bring us peace. You can be living in the middle of crazy and have peace. The world around you can be chaotic and filled with confusion and you go, I'm not touched by it. I have peace. The economy can fail, and you've got peace. You watch, and we've seen lately, we've had a number of people that we've known quite well who have passed away from COVID, and yet we still go, you know, you're my healer. You're the one who keeps me. You're my peace. And you, don't get, you don't get all wrapped up in it. You don't get all tied up in it. You don't freak out when the world freaks out. You see, the culture of the kingdom of God is a culture of peace. When the world's looking around and they're going completely berserk, and they look at you and you're just kind of like, calm. They're going to say something to you. Don't you know what's going on? Yeah, I know exactly what's going on. But I've just got clarity on the one who's in charge of what's going on. And he brings me peace. He brings me shalom. He brings me wholeness. You see, when I'm divided in my heart, I am not whole. When I put my confidence in some place other than in the Lord, I'm not whole. But when he brings me his shalom, I, Father, thank you. 
Jesus said this way, and listen to this in John 14, 27. Peace, there it is again, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So anxiety, first of all, is a result of a divided heart. Secondly, anxiety is not the Lord's will for you. The third thing I want you to see is that anxiety can be defeated. Anxiety can be defeated. When Jesus says, don't be anxious, it's a divine imperative that we should walk in obedience to it, but it's also this place of dependence to where we look to Him to defeat it in our life. God doesn't want you to live your life. You're living your life with anxiety and pressure and feeling this that your life is out of control, and you, listen, you have to yield to the one who's in control. Anxiety can be defeated. Listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Because this is one of the areas where anxiety comes in. There is no fear in love. But what happens? But perfect love casts out fear. What's he saying? He's saying this, that if you are, if there's areas of fear in your heart, it needs to be replaced by an awareness of the love of God. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. It couldn't be clearer. That the root cause of our anxiety is a lack of awareness of how much we have been loved by God. And so when the fullness of God's love comes into our heart, it drives the fear out. This woman that I was speaking to you about earlier, that for years could not come out of her house, something amazing happened. Someone shared the gospel with her and she got saved. And when she got saved, instantly something broke in her life. The fact that she had been living for years under the fear that she couldn't come out of her house, she gets saved and becomes aware of the love of God for her. Fear was broken off of her, and she was set free. And this woman became a close friend of Sandy and mine. We even, to this day, know in fact she lives here in Orlando. And God delivered her from anxiety and fear because the love of God came in. You see, when the love of God comes in, it drives out fear. It casts out fear. In the same way, when light comes in, darkness has to go. Anxiety is not God's will for us. And we're living in such an anxious world that's tied up in knots. So how do I defeat anxiety? How do I rid my life of anxiety? I want to give you five actions, five steps towards Walking in freedom from anxiety. And I want to first direct your attention to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. He's, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace which passes or surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do I live free from anxiety? Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. How do I do? First of all, listen to what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. The first thing I want you to understand, if you want to walk in freedom from anxiety, learn the secret of rejoicing in the Lord. When you start rejoicing in the Lord, I, I will tell you this, there is something about opening up your mouth and beginning to praise God in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of whatever you may be walking through. When the enemy comes in and begins to lie to you, because really that's what anxiety is, it's a lie from hell trying to bring you into captivity. What you need to do is lift both hands, open wide your mouth, and begin to give God praise because God is bigger than any problem you could face, and He's certainly greater than any lie that the enemy could tell. The greater one lives within. Rejoice in the Lord. That means this, that you've got to get crazy sometimes. You got to begin to get outside your own personality. You say, Well, I, I'm a bit of an introvert. Well, get over it. Start being an extrovert. Rejoice. Live in joy in the Lord. I will find, I open up my mouth and begin to speak the word of the Lord. I remember when, when uh, Jordan, our oldest, was going through such difficulty and such trial, and the enemy comes to me one day and said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And we'd gone through all kinds of things. And I was in the bank parking lot. I remember right where I was at. It was in the middle of the day. And I'm in the bank parking lot, and there's cars moving in all around. And you know what I did? Put it in park. I made the cars go around me. I lifted both of my hands, and I began to open up my mouth, and I said, Father, you're the greater one, and you're the greater one, and you live within me, and you've made promises to me regarding my children that my children are going to live for you and glorify you, that they will live and not die, and they will declare the glory of the Lord. I bless your name, Lord. I bless your name. Wasn't very long before the anxiety was completely gone, and it was replaced with a spirit of victory. Why? Because I was recognizing who was really in charge. That the liar of hell was not in charge, but the God of heaven was in charge. And he had already determined the path laid out for me. Let me tell you something. You don't believe the lies from the pit. You make declarations to God about God because that's what praise really is. It's, it's declaring to God who God really is. And then the awareness of that comes into your soul and anxiety goes. Don't allow anxiety to come in. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say, rejoice. He emphasizes it. He didn't just say it once, he said it twice. Did you get this? Rejoice. Second, reflect on God's faithfulness. Reflect on God's faithfulness. You remember when David goes out against Goliath. How many of you know if there was a moment where you could be anxious, that could be it? That could be it. And then he heard what Goliath had to say. Come on, little man, come here. 
Come here. I'm going to take, cut your head off and feed your flesh to the fowls of the air. But what did David do? David had already said where his thinking was. He had already declared to Saul when Saul brought him in. He said, Saul, let me tell you something. God was with me when a lion came out to steal my father's sheep. God was with me when a bear came to steal my father's sheep. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Little man became big man because he knew where his confidence was. You see, that's what God wants us to understand. Is that the anxiety is rooted in a lie. It's the, the deception of the evil one. It's the father of lies lying. And sometimes if we're not careful, the lie can become louder than the truth of God's word. So we rejoice in God's love, but we reflect on God's faithfulness. God, I remember. I've been here before. And I remember. I remember when you were with me. I remember when I prayed and I asked you to break something in my life. I remember what you did for me in the past. Nick, there's going to be times in your life. I feel like this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm prophesying to you right now. You're about ready to begin your family. You're about ready to begin. Today you begin the journey of your marriage. And listen, there's going to be moments where the enemy is going to come and, and you're going to face battles and difficulties. But I want to tell you something. God wants to remind you of what he's done in your past. And you remind the devil of what the, the, the Lord has done for you. When you face those challenges, you remind the enemy of what God has done. I've been there before and the Lord delivered me. I've been in this problem before and God brought me out. Hallelujah. Listen, for all of us, what we need to understand is yesterday's challenges become tomorrow's testimonies when we put our trust and our confidence in the Lord. Those battles that you're walking through right now, what are they but just simply an opportunity for God one more time to prove His faithfulness in your life. So we reflect on God's faithfulness. We meditate on the character of God, the goodness of God, the faithful works of God. I remember. I remember what I walked through. And I remember how you came through. The third thing Paul emphasizes here is request God's help. Request God's help. He says this. He said that, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Request God. God, I need your help. God, I need your help. Where do you need God's help from today? What are you walking through? Do you need God's favor in some area? Do you need God's guidance in some area? Where do you need a miracle from the Lord? Where do you need a breakthrough from the Lord? Request God's help. I'll tell you something. Sandy and I, through the years, have again and again and again been in the middle of huge problems and challenges and, and where we needed God to show up. We didn't know what we would do. It had not been for the Lord. 
we learn something, if we'll go to God, if we'll keep it before God, if we'll request God's help, if we'll be sincere in asking God to come in, God will turn it around. God will turn it around. The fourth thing, remember God's promises. This is so important to me. I'm going to tell you, it's so important. If you want to walk free from anxiety, remember the promises of God. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes, and in Christ Jesus, so be it. That's why it's important that you not only read God's Word, but memorize God's Word. Fill your spiritual tool belt with the sword of the Spirit. Fill it up with the promises of God. When Jesus was tempted of the devil, how did he answer the devil? It is written. The promises of God. Not only memorize, but meditate. Meditate. The word meditate literally means to mutter. It means to talk to yourself. It's okay. Talk to yourself. Live your life speaking to yourself. The Bible says with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. You live like that, anxiety doesn't have a a place to get root in your life. So you rejoice in God's love. You reflect on God's faithfulness. You request God's help. You remember God's promises. And then last, rest in God's goodness. In other words, take a nap. Just chill out. Allow God. How many of you know God's got this? Whatever this is, God's got this. A few weeks ago, when you were facing the challenges of going in and how we're going to buy a building, I remember Justin called me one day and he said, I kept saying to him, because he would call me nearly every Monday, and he'd say, Dad, what are we going to do here? I said, you keep leading. You keep walking. And I remember one week I told him, I said, son, like remember Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he led them down to the Red Sea. Cliffs of Ziz were behind him, and the Egyptian armies are closing in. And he got to the Red Sea. I said, just lift up the staff and keep walking. He calls me the next week. He said, Dad, my feet are getting wet. I've walked into the Red Sea. My feet are getting wet. I said, keep walking. Keep walking. And look what happened. A few days later, he's calling me. He goes, Daddy, it's amazing what God has done. It's amazing. You see, yesterday's challenges become tomorrow's testimonies. And God is filling your life with opportunities that he can show himself strong on your behalf. So God's got this. Whatever this is in your life, God's got it. If it's with your job, God's got it. If it's with your health, God's got it. If it's with your kids, God's got it. If it's with your marriage, God's got it. If it's with areas of weakness and brokenness in your own life, God's got it. For the greater one has come to rule and reign in your heart. And he's put his throne inside your heart. So open wide your mouth and begin to give him thanks for his goodness. Father, I bless this church. I bless this people. I thank you for that. And I thank you that the power of anxiety is broken off of us. You've called us to a a kingdom whose king is the prince of peace. 
whose kingdom is not characterized by anxiety and worry and fear, but is characterized by peace. So I decree it over this congregation, this people now, in the name of Jesus and for your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise, can we?